Hello, Lindsay, and welcome to the Green Room Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Lindsay and I met through swing dance slash board game friends, and also she happens to be friends with some of with the spouse of my friend from Rice, and so we just have this weird circle mix thing going on. Which yeah, is we cool. we are intertwined by like three or four different people from different <laughs> walks of our lives, and. Um, yeah, I was trying to go back through and think like, okay, we do have a couple different connections and um, we just, yeah, much more we than we're other meant people. to be friends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they keep pushing us together. I know. <laughs> okay, I guess it'll be fine. I know. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to be on, this is what, episode two of The Green Room? I don't know what order I'm going to put <laughs> it in. Whatever it'll knows? be in. It's one of your first. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'm excited. Top three, at least. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you wanted to talk about all sorts of things business related. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll just briefly talk a little bit about what I do. Um, I am a uh, self-employed graphic designer and brand strategist. Um, I have been on again, off again in the entrepreneurship world since 2008. Um, My Current career is, you know, what I just shared, but I had previously worked um, for some other small creative studios. Um, I used to photograph weddings in a former life. Um, just a whole host of different creative fields, um, and I feel like I feel like most of my close friends are like, "Okay, we get it. You love business. <laughs> you love entrepreneurship." Um, but when you approach me about being on the podcast and you know, asked me what I wanted to speak about. I was like, well, I mean, there's, I'm sure a whole host of different things I could talk about, but business has a, a, I mean, it's a really broad topic and I feel like we can. It's the one you're most interested in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If Um, somebody stopped you and was like, talk for 25 minutes about something, bam, business. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Either business or typography, but that's like super niche. (laughs) So that would totally be perfect. If this wasn't a audio medium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like I would need a, uh, a presentation of sorts to really dive into <laughs> typography or color theory or logo design, but I figured we'll do business, a YouTube video and yeah, offer that one. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, and especially during, um, you know, the season of COVID and quarantine, I feel like there's been a really big um, shift in how we do business, both in the corporate world and, um, you know, as business owners and starting a new business or a side hustle. Um, I think it's, you know, everyone has really been impacted in some sort of way w- with regards to their work in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I I just thought it'd be something, you know, hopefully would be fun to talk about. So the first specific topic that you mentioned was knowing if and when to leave your full-time job. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I feel like that could be its own podcast <laughs> in and of itself. Its so own series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think when it comes to, you know, let's say you've been working on a side hustle or you are really passionate about something, it could be anything from podcasting to, I don't know, uh, making furniture from scratch or you know, a whole host of things. Um, it can be really uh, hard to kind of navigate, okay, when when does this make sense to be my full-time job? 
or my full time mm-hmm. gig. Um, and when has it outgrown just being like a side hustle or a hobby? Um, yeah, and I've I seen think- this come up a lot in. Um- I'm in lots of board game design groups. Oh, yeah. And people are always talking about, like, how do I know when to leave my job and start doing this thing full time? Right. If my project's even going to be successful. Right, right. And I think it depends on, um, I mean, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. A lot of it, it's, it starts with financial security. You know, um, I think a, a it could be challenging to leave your full-time job for something that is completely unknown. Um, even if you've got, you know, proven concept and a handful of clients, if it's not bringing in the kind of income that you need to support yourself or your family or your lifestyle, then it's probably not time to leave that full-time job. Um, and that could be scary, especially if your full-time job is what is like causing you to really consider leaving, <laughs> you know, if you're getting burnt out or if you're in a position where like maybe you're, you don't feel supported by your team or your you know management or you're in a career that is not fulfilling. Um, it could be very tempting to just say like, Hey, I, I, here's my two weeks. I'm sorry. I peace out, you know? <laughs> and then you're kind of left like, okay, well now I really have to make this entrepreneurship thing work. Yeah, because I have no other option because I don't have the financial security or safety net in order to, um, you know, kind of give yourself that time, that bandwidth to figure out if the idea or if this hobby or um, you know your craft is going to be marketable. Um, and I will be totally honest with you, and that is something that I did a few years ago. You just um, up and left. Uh, for uh, sort of. <laughs> Um, it was definitely calculated. Um, I was working at a graphic design agency and, um, there came a time where I felt like, okay, this is, this is really when I need to explore going back out on my own. Um, previous to working at the studio, I was self-employed. Um, so, you know, I've kind of gone in and out of owning my own business as my full-time job. Um, but I think there came a point where I was like, okay, I think the work that I can can offer to people outside of this, um, nine to five would be sustainable. Um, but I, I think I was at the point of like, I was really burnt out with work. I was, um, frustrated and I allowed that and my feelings towards my job to push me into entrepreneurship and just kind of building the plane as the plane is <laughs> flying mm-hmm. type of thing. And it's scary. It is very scary. And I feel like what I'm saying now is um, do what I say, not what I do, <laughs> <laughs> which I know could be incredibly frustrating too, because you're like, well, you did it and you're fine now. But um, there were seasons that it was incredibly challenging. Um, so the um, approach that you're actually suggesting is, is not what I did. <laughs> Just make sure that you uh, yeah. actually have some financial stability yes. before just jumping off of the deep end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's, like, let's say, if I could go back and um, approach jumping back into entrepreneurship, like if I could just do it all over again, I would probably maintain at least six more months at that design job and just save mm-hmm. as much as I could so that that first 12 months, 24 months of business wasn't nearly as stressful. Um, because at that point you're now totally financially, you know, dependent on how much work you can bring in or how many products you can sell. Um, and there comes a point where like you only have so much bandwidth 
to be able to handle business and life. And there's not really, <laughs> in my experience, it's really hard to have this work-life balance in the first few years of business. Um, as a business owner, especially. As a business owner, yeah. It's almost 24 yeah. job, 24-7 job. Right, right. Um, and it, it definitely can be, you know, especially if you feel like you have to take on every single client or every single project that comes your way because you are in this sense of financial scarcity. Um, so yeah, the first couple of years that I was really back in business for myself, so this was 2015, 2016, it was very challenging. Um, and I do feel like I was very fortunate to be in a position where, um, you know, Ryan, my now husband, my fiance at the time, um, was able to help support a lot of my, um, a a lot of my bills and needs, you know, and I know that there's not, most people are not in that position to have, you know, a partner to be able to help like, Hey, I want you to, you know, take, take this dream and run with it. So, um, I do realize that there was a lot of privilege there, you know, and being able to kind of say, okay, I do need to quit this job. It's not good for my mental health anymore. And I want to put all of my energy and time and effort into this business. Um, But I don't think that that would have been possible had I not had his support and my family's support and, you know, things like that too. So, um, but anyway, just kind of going, going back to when, when you, you know, know that maybe leaving your nine to five is, um, is a good idea. You know, it, it could start with building yourself that financial runway, you know, three to six months worth of your, you know, expenses in the bank, just to kind of ease that burden or take that burden off of your shoulders. Like, okay, I have to say yes to every single thing that, that comes my way because I just need to, to put food to on the table. Yeah. 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 Sorry, you said to have three to six months of expenses in mm-hmm. the bank. Mm-hmm. Just to give yourself, and, and I know that can be really hard, right? It may not, it may take you more time to cover three to six months worth of expenses than it than it does to to pay that off, right? So maybe it takes you a year yeah. to save up to have three to six months worth of expenses saved in the bank. Um, and really it's, it's totally up to you, like what you feel most comfortable with. Um, I had some savings, but it wasn't really enough to cover me for three to six months. It was probably two months. And I knew mm. that, okay, I've got to hustle. And <laughs> that kind of <laughs> can go into a topic that I want to talk about later, just the for sure. hustle culture and the mentality of having to work to the bone essentially all the time in order to be an entrepreneur. But this is a little odd, but, um, most, I feel like from most financial experts, whenever I read about them, mm-hmm. one of the things that they suggest is having six months to 12 years of saving, like, sorry, six to 12 months of saving. Uh-huh. And so that if you lost your job or something that you would be able to survive right. while you are getting back on your feet. Right. So, absolutely. So that's, I mean, even if you're not thinking about starting your own business, just you should have that much saved up anyway. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, something like the pandemic happened, right? And there's a lot of industries that are completely, you know, out of business at this point, um, or you've gotten, you know, laid off or furloughed for a while. And, um, you know, I think- 12 months wouldn't have been enough time. No, Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and that could be hard too, because, you know, I think both in the corporate world and in entrepreneurship, um, you don't necessarily have full control over your job security. 
You know, I mm-hmm. think with like a corporate nine to five job, you are dependent on the company that you work for to continually have clients or customers to bring in business and to make sure that you can still, you know, get paid. Um, and when you've got something like the pandemic that hit, like there were a lot of businesses that just could not maintain that level of, you know, of um, income at this point. And then you're out of a job, you know, so um, you're right. That having that amount of savings is, is I think a great goal to work on no matter what your career looks like. Um, Which we should also acknowledge is sort of a privileged place to be able to even save up that much. Exactly. I want, I forget the numbers, but a huge portion of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. And it's not just because they're spending frivolously. It's because they aren't getting paid enough for the work that they're doing. Exactly. And the cost of living is, is ridiculous in a lot of areas and minimum wage hasn't gone up in what, like 30, 30 years or something like that. Way too long for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think to kind of go back on that point, I think there's like most Americans have about a thousand dollars in savings or they, they could, I don't know, Ryan and I were talking about it the other day. Oh yeah. Something like, uh, if you had one like thousand dollar emergency, then it would, they would be in serious trouble. Exactly. Exactly. I'm really good at speaking around the numbers because I never specifically remember the numbers. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I'm in the same boat. I'm like, I've heard that statistic several times. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, having money and savings just in general is is a privilege. You know, I think um, especially with the cost of student loans as well, um, there's a lot of people that just won't ever be able to get out from, from under either loans or debt. Um, right. And, and student loans really being hard. one of the loans that you can't bankrupt I out know. of. I know. Exactly. Is there anything else that uh, you should be considering aside from having an amount of savings? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because that was definitely not what I had in mind um, when I decided to quit my job. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the first, the first piece of advice would be to, you know, have savings if you can, because it just takes that burden off a little bit more. Um, but I think that one really good place to be, if you realize that you've got this incredible side business that you've been working on, or just something that you really enjoy, and you're like, okay, I think this would actually be a marketable service or product for, for people. Um, my best piece of advice would be to really narrow in on who, who wants your product, who wants your service and, um, you know, really get to know who your client is because you may be making something that is absolutely incredible and either no one knows about it or they don't actually need it or what you think it's worth. People are not on that same wavelength. So you may right. not actually have clients um, or customers. It's not so much for what the, you think it's worth. It's what other people think it's, it's the worth. Perce- yeah, it's the perceived value. Um, so, you know, I could say that you know, hey, I want to uh, design a logo for you for $10 million, but <laughs> that uh, it, maybe I it's think that it's worth $10 million. Do- right, right. I will gild um, everything in gold. Exactly, exactly. filaments. Right, right, exactly. But, you know, there's no way that a startup or a mom and pop business or even like maybe a 30 person company could afford to spend $10 million on a logo. There's just no way, but 
maybe that service that you're offering a $10 million logo, which that is nowhere near what I charge. I'm throwing out a ridiculous number. <laughs> um, obviously that would be amazing, but we, that's not the world we live in. Um, but there are companies out there like Apple or Google, or, you know, you name one of the top 10 companies in the world, they would easily pay $10 million for a brand identity. But right that's not who your target clients are necessarily, especially <laughs> when you are first getting started in a, you know, a side hustle. Um, so I think it's really important to think through, okay, what, what products or service am I creating and who, what problem am, am I solving for this particular person? So, yeah. um, you know, do because, a little bit of like, you're suggesting to actually do a little bit of like, uh, planning. This is how much money I might expect to make. I exactly. should go out and talk to people and say, this is what I'm providing. What would you pay for it? Sort of get some of this background info. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And make sure that the amount, you know, do some math and figure out that you can actually live on this. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, because you may, um, you may find that what you're creating is only maybe a $10 value product. Okay. That's great. But how are you going to reach you know, 200,000 people or whatever your magic number is to get to the place where like, okay, I can pay all of my bills and have sustainable income to make this a viable career jump. Um, and it's also okay if you don't want to turn your side hustle into your full-time gig, maybe you just have a wonderful nine to five and you do this on the, you know, nights and weekends. Um, but I would still approach your business in the same manner, you know, make sure that you are, really understanding what problem you're solving for your clients and who your clients are. Um, because, you know, I think it could be very easy to think through, okay, well, I serve women who love Instagram <laughs> as, as a, you know, broad, uh, demographic. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're a social media strategist and you create, uh, Canva templates for women entrepreneurs for Instagram. Okay. That's awesome. But, there's a dime a dozen of you, <laughs> right? There's 20, 30, 50, hundreds of women or business owners who create that type of product. So mm -hmm. how in the world is your client, maybe she's 35, a business owner, and she really needs help with social media, or maybe she's an influencer, you know, wh whomever she is, yeah. but she, she sees a need for this, but how in the world is she going to say, yes, this is the person that I want to hire versus somebody else who is maybe a little bit more specific on, Oh my gosh, she creates templates for solo entrepreneurs who are dietitians in the South, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> something a little bit more niche and maybe uh, helps them get to that next level in their business, right? They're maybe, uh, they're, they're solving this particular problem. So for instance, a nutritionist maybe doesn't have to, enough time to run her own social media. So she's mm -hmm. looking for tools that are designed specifically for her to help take off that social media burden for her, or at least eases, um, the, the time in which it takes her to create content. Um, right. so I think, you know, getting really specific about what your product or service does and who it's for and what what problem you're lifting off of that client's shoulders is really important because if you're just making really beautiful things and you don't know who they're for, it's really hard to find the person who's going to buy that from you and what they, what they value. Right. Yeah. So, so make sure um, you actually have an audience that you're going to be 
right. marketing to. Right. Marketing yeah. To. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think a lot of creative entrepreneurs in particular, ha- they're really, really talented. Let's say you're a wedding photographer or you are an illustrator or you're really good at Photoshop. You could be an incredibly talented creative and have incredible skill sets, but if you're not able to market those skill sets well and to the right people, you're not a business owner. You're creative, right. um, but it's that combination of having that skill set and turning it into a marketable product that makes you a business owner. And I think there's a lot of a lot of creatives or a lot of people in general who have this skill or this hobby. They're like, okay. I really want to leave my nine to five and I want to do this full time, but you, you may still think like you're a nine to five employee, which means that you are staying in your lane and you're being really creative and you're creating a, an incredible product or service, but you also have to market it and you have to, um, you know, put on that, all of the different hats as a business owner, right. And treat yourself right. as a business because you've just quit your job as an employee, but now you're running a company. <laughs> It's and important a company, to know that a business does more than just makes a thing. It, exactly. It, there's all this background effort that goes in behind it. And exactly. Exactly. So yeah, there's if you're gonna be your own business, you gotta do all those things. Right, right. So there's a marketing department, an accounting department, um, you know, a sales department. You really have to be you don't have to be good at all of these things, right? You can either <laughs> do them yourself until the point where you can outsource them. You're probably going to become best friends with Google and YouTube, right? Yeah. And Skillshare and a lot of these, you know, places where you can gain a lot of these skills. Um, you know, but it's absolutely doable. I will tell you that I have never been great at accounting or keeping my books, <laughs> um, but I did it for the longest time up until last year when I finally was in a place that I could outsource that. Um, nice. And same with marketing. Marketing is not necessarily my strong suit, but I'm really good at sales. And um, you just, I think, have to lean into your strengths. Um, and some of it will will come naturally because you're forced to have to market yourself and put yourself in front of other people um, yeah. in order for your business to survive. That's a bunch of good info to know for anyone who does want to start their own business that like... Yeah. There's all these like sort of hidden stuff that you don't necessarily know about or think about. And it's important to try and actually think about all of these things. It's actually a lot like owning a house as well. <laughs> exactly. There's all this stuff that landlords do. And I know they're mostly just rent seekers, but also they actually do ideally maintain and upkeep and, you know, make sure that the house is not falling apart and right. to make sure your business isn't going to fall apart. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and I, th- I think that it can also be a little overwhelming when you first get started because there's, there's so many different avenues for um, consuming content about entrepreneurship and hustle culture and everyone out there and their mom has some kind of podcast or YouTube channel or you know some, some place that you can consume their advice. Mm-hmm. And here I am on a podcast giving you my <laughs> advice. So of course I realize how meta this is, right? <laughs> but what what you're doing now is is wonderful, right? It it starts as a hobby, and you can take it wherever you want to. It doesn't, ne- and that's something I think can be challenging as well is wanting to monetize all of your hobbies. Um, right. Maybe that's just the entrepreneurial spirit in a lot of people. <laughs> um, but I really struggle with wanting to 
monetize everything that I'm good at because for me, I'm like, okay, how can I make t-shirts that I have <laughs> really cute like typography or like ampersands or something on them and then turn that into a side business for the business yeah. that I already have. Um, and Ryan and I are making candles soon and we're going to turn that into a business. We couldn't just make candles for our friends. We're like, okay, let's invest in wholesale product (laughs) and make labels and have this whole brand. Um, You know, so I think there's some people who just naturally have that entrepreneurial spirit. And sometimes it's hard to do anything else because, um, you just want to turn everything that you're good at into a business. (laughs) Or (laughs) I also want to say, yeah. Just because I so often look at things from like a social justice kind of lens, uh-huh. some people, uh, what you're definitely, what you're describing is definitely accurate. Some people just really want to take their things and monetize it. Some people kind of have to do that. Right. Because again, that what we talked about earlier, people aren't getting paid enough. Absolutely. Um, cost of living is too high. Yes. But that's Absolutely. not what this one's so much about. Absolutely. I just have to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, you know, I think having having the ability to take that chance of, you know, taking a chance on yourself is privilege, you know? And I also think that sometimes it's not because that's, that's what you have to do in order to survive. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so then sometimes people are hustling and they almost hustle too much, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I fell into that hardcore, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in uh in 2018 and I I burned myself out. Having proof of concept I think is also equally as important mm. as like knowing mm-hmm. who who your clients are and who who wants to buy your product and what problem you're solving with your product. Maybe the problem you're solving is you create beautiful floral arrangements that make people happy. That could also yeah. be the problem that you're solving, right? It doesn't have to be this like giant overarching like big issue. Like I'm solving world hunger. That would be incredible, (laughs) but that's not everyone's mission. And, um, you shouldn't feel like your mission is not good enough or big enough. Um, but also there's enough, maybe dream big too. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) There's enough, uh, unhappiness in the world that adding any amount of happiness is a good product, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, for something you and I share in common is we both love board games and board games are not, you know, it's not brain surgery. They're not like solving, (laughs) you know, uh, the energy crisis, right? It's a really fun, strategic way to spend time with family and friends. You know, maybe that's the problem they're solving is like bringing people together. I'm not sure about you. I purely play board games to prevent the onset of dementia. Right. <laughs> which might actually be a pro of what of board games. So I'm excited about that. Yes, that is your sole reason. <laughs> That's the only reason. I don't like the people. Right. I yeah. don't like figuring out puzzles. No, it's all no, about No, no, it's not like we've gone to, you know, conventions together and played board games for <laughs> 36 hours straight. No, none of that. Um so I keep telling my mom and stepdad that they should start their own thing because yeah. they both hate their jobs uh, currently. And my stepdad is very good at woodworking. Oh, and he wonderful. has built like this couch that goes on the back of, uh, sorry, he didn't build a couch. He built a table that goes on the back of our couch Yeah, and it plugs in and it has like all your cords that come out of it. So you can charge all your devices while you're sitting on your couch, which oh, is wow. fantastic. You don't have to like, you can, it's easy to turn around and put your 
plates and dinner on the table instead of having to lean forward and uh, do that stuff. Also, nice. he just builds all sorts of things. He can build pretty much anything you would want. He's actually, they have plans to build me a board game table, which they do not have That's amazing. Uh, actually out. They haven't made it yet because I need to send them measurements and stuff. But wow. it's in the works. And That's I keep exciting. telling them, like, you need to go on Etsy or something, post right. pictures and, like, get requests. Like, and yes. these things, you could easily sell them for enough money, I would think, to be sustainable. Especially yeah. when you look at the price of board game tables. It's, oh, they for are sure. stupidly expensive. Yes. Like, yeah. But arrogantly expensive. Right. Exactly. But there's a need out there for them. And obviously, yeah. because there's a lot of, you know, uh, businesses out there who are making a killing, you know, creating these incredible tools. Mm -hmm. So there's a need for sure. Um, and maybe and my stepdad does work like part of his job now, or at least when I was growing up was to repair the felt on pool tables. Oh my gosh. This so, is like, literally perfect. 100%. <laughs> Uh, All of his marketable skills can just transfer over. <laughs> yeah, it works perfectly well. And then she's really good at talking to people and dealing oh, with yeah. businesses and stuff. That's what That's she's awesome. good at. That's awesome. She has so, several businesses. She does accounting and stuff like that. She already oh, knows yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like they definitely need to go into business together. Um, so do they work full-time? Um, my mom works full-time. My stepdad, I think, works full-time. There were some issues during the pandemic and stuff, um, yeah. but I'm pretty sure he's working. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just wondering. I don't know if they, if they have six months saved up. <laughs> thing. Right. Well, and I mean, to kind of go go on to that, like you don't necessarily need to start your business and say, okay, I, I can't start my business until I have six months saved up. Right. right. Because you can definitely start. You really should while just, you're working. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, especially if there's no like conflict of interest. Um, I mm -hmm. had a conflict of interest with my previous employer where I, I wanted to do the same type of work on my own that I was doing and getting paid for by my employer. And that right. was something that I could no longer do on the side. So, um, the design studio I was working for, I do a lot of what I do currently. Um, but at the time I was also photographing weddings. So there was no wedding services that we were providing to our <laughs> yeah. like business clients. So I was still able to basically build up a client base and have this side income because there was no conflict. But, um, so yeah, that's something to kind of, you know, look <laughs> into as well. Just make sure that you, um, are not like, you know, in some kind of contractual obligation to not right. do that kind of work. Um, but it's kind you know, of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, that's how side hustles work, right? Like you, you, you know, spend your nights, weekends, whatever, wherever your free time is building your passion and, you know, creating a, a really amazing board game table. <laughs> and maybe that's when you really should figure out like, you know, um, your processes and hone in on your product and kind of do that like beta testing and just kind of seeing what works, what doesn't work so that when you are ready to say, okay, I think I've got enough orders in the queue that, you know, it will get me six months worth of income or, you know, I know that right. I've got a wide enough client base that it would be feasible to make that your full-time thing. And that might take two to five years you know, six months. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It depends on how quickly you want to move and um, how much work-life balance you want to have and right. things like that too, you know. It's interesting because like you are start off doing the thing and you're 
nights and weekends. Uh-huh. And then it's like, okay, well now if I quit my job, I will have all this extra time to do it. But then also like, do I want to spend all of my time doing that? And then right. also learning all these other skills that go along with the business and it's a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah, easy. absolutely. Well, and and I think it can also be hard when you turn your passion into a business. Sometimes you lose that passion for it. Yeah. And maybe some things just happen. need to maintain uh, their passion status, you know? Right. Like I told you earlier, I have this uh, weird um, need to like monetize everything. <laughs> and I think that's just how I'm like, I'm, I'm wired for productivity. And that's something I've been working on with lots of therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, is just like that, the idea of having to hustle for everything that you do. And, um, you know, maybe some things just need to stay something you're really passionate about. Like I really enjoy gardening. Um, I'm not great at it. I would never turn it into a business. And I, I'm but I have to, to recognize that. Yeah. I, I mean, I not, <laughs> not vegetables as much as like trying to keep my succulents alive, you know, <laughs> especially, uh, in the last also year. A challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I've become a plant mom and, um, but that's something that I know that I just, I could never make some kind of marketable product or service out of that. Um, but this sort of makes me think about yeah. like, a lot of what we've been talking about so far is like making sure that your monetary needs are met, mm-hmm. but you also kind of have to make sure that your emotional and happiness needs are met. Oh, so absolutely. if you're getting so much joy from this thing that is your side hustle, mm-hmm. and it becomes your main job. You can expect to no longer get joy from it. Like that doesn't necessarily happen. Hopefully right. it doesn't, right. but maybe it does. And so you also need to have planned another way that you can get that emotional uh, stability revitalization right. back. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, I think that's something that I'm currently trying to figure out <laughs> because I, I do feel incredibly blessed that I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that's not, uh, possible for everybody. Um, I've known since I was in high school that I wanted to be a graphic designer, uh, or some type of designer. And I, um, was, I'm glad that I had that vision early on, but I know that that's not everyone's um, ability, right? You can't necessarily pick a career out of the sky and say, okay, I know I'm going to love this when you're in high school (laughs) going into college. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do feel very lucky that I get to make money at something that I really enjoy. But I will tell you that I don't enjoy every aspect of the job that I created for myself. Like there's still, um, you know, maybe some challenging clients or, days or weeks or months when invoices go unpaid. Right. And I'm having to act as the bill collector and, um, you know, driving down to someone's office and saying, Hey, this invoice has been overdue for 90 days and I need to pay my rent. Money. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of different aspects to consider when you are saying, okay, I really think that this passion that I love so dearly I think I could do this all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Maybe you take a, a week or two off from your job. Maybe you spend some of your PTO and say, okay, what, what would it look like if I did this full time? And you maybe spend a week of your vacation acting as though your side hustle was your job, you know, yeah. or just kind of thinking, Good idea. or maybe you do that on the weekends and you say, okay, Saturdays, I may sacrifice for the next couple of months and just work on my like business or my passion 
you know, all day Saturday as though it were a nine to five job and just see if that's something that you enjoy. Because if not, then there maybe you shouldn't turn your passion into the thing that makes you money, right? Right. Or maybe it, it can stay small so that your passion is still there. Um, but I will say that, you know, I think there is a limit to how much joy you should get from work as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not, not necessarily, right. I don't think everyone has, um, their full like fulfillment in their career. Um, I think that we should all be very like well-balanced human beings. <laughs> um, and you know, again, that's like I mentioned earlier, that's something that I'm working on because I do truly love what I do, but I don't love every aspect of it. Um, right. but there can be seasons where I avoid doing other things that I really like because I just throw myself into work. Um, so I'm trying to kind of reinvigorate those other passions that I enjoy that don't make me money, like hip hop dance <laughs> or, yeah. you know, singing Go in the it. shower or, you know, the, yeah, rollerblading or roller skating for the you know, <laughs> first time. I actually bought uh, a pair of roller skates uh, during the summer, <laughs> summer pandemic, you know, nice. um, TikTok made me do it. I will tell you that. (laughs) But it's, you know, I was like, you know, I really think I need a passion that has nothing to do with anything design related, anything that I'm, you know, sitting in front of my computer trying to, you know, make things happen for my clients. I need something for me. And I bought a pair of roller skates and they're super cute, but I'm also terrified of hurting myself. So I haven't really roller skated a whole lot, but that's something that I'm going to, but not the knee pads and the shoulder pads. I did, but I, I had all of my pads on everywhere (laughs) and I'm just, you know, roller skating around my driveway, like a little baby (laughs) bird (laughs) trying to leave the nest for the first time. And I, uh, fell on my booty and uh, I think that was it for me. I was like, you know, I think a bike is what I really needed. (laughs) And, uh, I bought myself a bike and we, we biked the rest of the year. Um, but I really, much much better option. It is a lot safer. Used to bike to work every day. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but (laughs) at the same time, I think because I was not instantly good at roller skating because I'm Mm -hmm. used to being good at things and only doing the things that I am good at Mm -hmm. that, it was a really hard, it was, it was a challenge for me because I was failing at it constantly <laughs> and I avoided it because of that. Um, anyway, I, I'm sure there's some kind of like connection there with <laughs> entrepreneurship <laughs> and, and things like that too. But, um, you know, I think it's something that I'm wanting to work on is like leaning into the things that I'm not good at because, mm-hmm. I think it'll make me a more well-rounded person um, instead of just doing the things that I know I'm really good at and can like monetize and, and crush, you know? Um, And that's ultimately how a lot of these like side hustles and passions come to be, right. It's just exploring a lot of different mediums and learning new things and taking in, you know, information from a lot of different sources and people in different walks of life um, to explore what you really enjoy, you know, outside of work and the passions that you know you're ultimately good at, you know. If it works out, it's great. If not, keep it as your passion. Not everything needs to be a, a money-making route. Right, right. But, you know, hustle culture will tell you otherwise. Right. right. 
It's like, don't watch Netflix, wake up at 5 a.m., you know, spend time hustling. And I do think that there's a season for hustling when you are trying to establish your business and, um, or work on anything new, right? Mm -hmm. If you're working on a skill or a, you know, a product or, you know, putting yourself through college, like there's a season of hustling. And I think anyone can do that for a season. Um, as long as you're still taking care of yourself, um, you know, at the end of the day, but it can be really easy to fall into the trap of, okay, I'm a business owner and now I have to hustle, hustle, hustle like a girl boss, like all the podcasts are telling me to do is just work all the time. And if I'm not doing something that is work related, I should be sleeping (laughs) or working on my business, right? There's no time for Netflix. There's no time for socializing, what, what have you. Yeah. I hate that mindset. Let me just tell you that that is so damaging. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I'm laughing because it's better than crying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, 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 I'm just kidding. Um, but kind of not. Um, I, I have consumed a lot of content over the years of being a business owner, especially Mm -hmm. because I'm a solo entrepreneur. Like I don't have any coworkers. I don't have a boss. It is just me. So it it could be kind of lonely. Um, just, you know, working for myself by myself. I mean, I've got my husband, we both work from home. Right. But I was going to say for you, the, uh, transition to work from home must've been nothing. There wasn't a transition for me. (laughs) Yeah. The only transition, you know, when we all went into quarantine is that Ryan stopped traveling and I no longer went into my client's offices. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I was at home all day, every day anyway. So, yeah. you know, the quarantine really wasn't a big shift in either of our, um, you know, daily routines. I just had all my meetings on zoom and, you know, kind of figured that out. Um, mm-hmm. but I did have a lot of friends who were like, okay, I'm working from home with my spouse for the first time ever. <laughs> and I got a lot of calls saying we totally underestimated and underappreciated the relationship that you and Ryan have because this <laughs> ish is hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. how do you not want to kill each other every day? And I'm like, well, we specifically bought a house that allowed us to have two separate offices so that we are not nice. working in the same space, you know, and that's why we moved further out from town is to be able to get a house so that was, do that. you know, uh, that, you know, helped us, you know, make sure that that lifestyle, um, arrangement was just, you know, good for us. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, when we went into quarantine, nothing really shifted for us, which was kind of wild, but. Did you want to talk about the myth of the girl boss? I don't know. I, <laughs> it's something that I've not necessarily struggled with, but I think it's, it's interesting kind of the intersection of feminism and entrepreneurship because mm-hmm. you don't talk about boy boss, right? There's no boy bosses. Right. There's no talk about the boy boss. No. It's only the girl boss. Right. It's the, the girl boss, boss and the girl boss. Right. 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 So maybe, I mean, we absolutely can talk about it. I oh, that reminds get... me of a meme I saw yesterday. It was like women, no, men just generally prefer to choose uh, higher earning positions like mm. CEO and engineer and director, whereas women prefer uh, lower paying jobs like Female CEO, female engineer, <laughs> female director. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we can definitely talk about that. Um, 
but a lot of the content that is out there related to women in business uh, really does talk about like being a girl boss and hustling and being on 24 seven. And I bought into that a lot over the last several years because it resonated with me. Um, what, so what is like, what is the difference of being a girl boss? Like what are some of the things they talk about? I guess versus I'm being not a boss? so sure. Yeah. That is, <laughs> that is a fantastic question because I don't know um, <laughs> uh, the fact that we are female, right? Um, I'm, I'm joking. The, the girl boss mindset and all the content surrounding the girl boss, if you will, I'm putting all this in ear quotes is, Mm -hmm. um, it, it captivated me for a long time because I feel like it, it supported me when I felt like I was alone in business. And I was like, yeah, women empowering women to support themselves and do their own thing, build their own empire. It can all be incredibly empowering. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, like, you know, we just talked about, there is no boy boss. There's just boss, right? Right. So why do we have to call ourselves girl bosses? Um, I think it speaks to... I think it speaks to a lot of this like perceived insecurity and perceived lack of confidence that women are told that we're not enough and we need to be empowered, constantly empowered and own our self-worth in this title of girl boss. And like, I think building community around you know, Hey, we're all in business together. or We're all like trying to do this hustle thing together. I, I kind of sounds like just creating <laughs> a network of women who are also entrepreneurs or CEOs and yeah. supporting each other. You, you I, I think there's a lot of women who are creating incredible communities around that. Um, but there's also a giant portion of I would say social media influencers and um, maybe self-help or business coaches that specifically want to speak to these like quote unquote girl bosses as a way to, I don't know, um, fill a need that like all women are constantly insecure and need a giant amount of support in order to do what men can do without that same support. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Um, and it's something again that I'm like still trying to navigate how I feel because there's a lot of content creators and I'm talking like podcast hosts, um, you know, social media, um, channels, if you will, that I found a lot of incredible support, like in the first few years of starting my business, but it also just kind of feels like you're pandering to women a lot of times as well that um, we need some kind of like special empowerment in order to do the same things that like maybe men who are starting their own business are able to do under the guise of being a boss (laughs) instead of a a girl boss. Like, can Mm -hmm. we all just be bosses? Um, Well, I have heard the um, I've heard a suggestion for women in general is whenever you're undertaking something to Mm -hmm. uh, do it with the confidence of an average white man. Yes. And so sometimes that's all you have to do. (laughs) 
right. and then you can feel like you do anything because you know that's how me as that's an average so white man think about it sometimes. Right. I mean, how does that make you feel as an average white man? <laughs> I mean, I do think that I have undeserved confidence. I want to say, <laughs> yeah. It's like I was listening to a podcast earlier. They were just talking about how like one of the things is I have very high self-esteem and mm-hmm. like I, I'm never worried about others judging me or like my ability to do something. And so because of that, I'm willing to just jump in and do anything. Right. I don't really think about it, honestly. That's, that's, I mean, I think about it uh, as like a reflectively, but then like, I don't know, it doesn't ever bother me. Yeah. That's probably not right either. Yeah. It wouldn't bother me because I get all the benefits. I don't have downsides of me not perceiving peer pressure or something. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I, I think as women, you know, and I, I think we, we are told from a very early age that we have to fit in a certain box or a certain mold or be perceived in a certain way or mm-hmm. that. And I do feel like things are, are sort of changing, um, you know, with like the women's movement and really empowering women to like lean into their own unique qualities um, but there's a whole generation, well, several generations prior to this one that mm-hmm. um, were not really given that level of empowerment. So I think there's, this is where I'm torn because I freaking love women empowerment, like women mm-hmm. supporting women. Mm-hmm. I am 100% all in, like it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm in and here for it, but I do think that we've reached a level of like pandering to women's like perceived insecurities under the guise of you can be a girl boss too, just like love yourself. And, (laughs) you know, um, like you said, you, you don't have this like, um, lack of self-confidence or, you know, peer pressure or things like you, you, you know what you're worth and you jump in with both feet and you don't necessarily think about it. I think a lot of women, Oh, sorry. I know my, when I actively think about it, I know my worth. But also, uh-huh. in general, I think I'm worth more than I actually am. Oh, fair. <laughs> it's just an overinflated sense of confidence. Got it. Got That's it. That's the and key women adjective. Are, women are often like told to stay small. Right. Right. So if we're coming from the complete opposite end of the spectrum then a lot of the content that's out there for women starting businesses is building ourselves up because we've been told to play small for so long that uh, there's not really necessarily a middle ground. And Mm -hmm. I say this as someone who's like just had this realization that a lot of the content that I'm consuming makes me actually really angry. Um, And I think it's because it's geared specifically towards women being a woman boss instead of women being CEOs or women being uh, entrepreneurs. If Tell me if this sense. is a good metaphor. It's almost yeah. like, uh, I don't, if you remember, it's almost like a Bic for her where yeah. Bic came out with a pin <laughs> yes. that was yeah. for women. And the yes. only difference is it was pink. It was pink. Yep. It's like, and this probably is not actually women empowerment. More. This is no. um, pandering. Right. Right. That, that is often what this feels like for me in the last nine months, especially, um, with a lot of the social justice, you know, conversations and like the George Floyd murder, like all of that happening last year, there were a lot of Mm -hmm. women entrepreneurs who came under fire for, um, 
pandering specifically to white women or not Mm -hmm, being mm -hmm. able to really approach women and women of color in a way that was inclusive. And I think that was really the first time for me as a white woman that I really understood uh, that a lot of the content that I was consuming was from people that look like me, which makes me really sad, but that's something that I've actively worked on in the last you know year, uh, diversifying the types of content that I'm consuming and the content oh, yeah. creators as well. I actually made a spreadsheet again, over organizing things of, uh-huh. and I broke down like the different races and sexes of podcast listeners I listen to and then extra columns for like a religious minority or um, some, any sort of queer variety. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome because go ahead. Yeah. And then I just made sure that when I start adding new podcasts to just sort of keep that in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. That you're, you're getting information from a lot of different types of people and experiences, you know, um, I think that I had personally fallen into what a lot of white women fall into. Um, I'm just speaking from my own experience um, is, you know, you consume a lot of content from other people that look like you. And Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of that taught me that I was never enough. Right. It's the Bic for her. (laughs) It's the pink, (laughs) it's the pink version of entrepreneurship um, Mm -hmm. under the guise of women empowerment and feminism. And I just have really started to kind of rethink the types of content that I've been consuming um, and starting to surround myself with other women um, that don't look like me and don't think like me. And, um, really have a broader mindset about business and business ownership more like, Hey, you're a CEO. You're not a girl boss. I mean, being a girl boss is great, but I think that there's, it's also great to be a boss and not have to like (laughs) have your gender attached to it. Um, right. I'm not really, again, I'm still working through all of my feelings with all of this. Um, but I, I do feel like I've actively, um, shifted the types of, creators that I'm listening to because I was just kind of tired of feeling like all the content that it was made for me, quote unquote, made for me as a, you know, female entrepreneur was things that was content that was telling me that I needed to believe in myself more or that I needed to just be inspired or it wasn't telling me tactical, practical advice on like, for instance, how to hire out for my first employee or how to get venture capital funding. That's not something that I need, but you know, things that were actual tactical um, processes. It was more the fluffy surface level, believe right. in yourself. You're a girl boss. You can do it. Just hustle more. <laughs> that type of, of thing. It sounds like, um, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they were, sort of catering to something that wasn't necessarily what you feel the need for. It's like, I can imagine some people this might be useful for them um, who feel like they need that sort of confidence boost, that type of thing. Yeah. But for you, you already have the confidence of an average white man. So you can just go on and well, the do funny what you thing need is to it do. took me it took me uh thirty-three years <laughs> to gain the <laughs> confidence of an average white man. <laughs> and I, I, I truly will tell you that this is like my own um, 
I guess, uh, awakening in the last couple of months Mm -hmm. because for the longest time, I believed most of what they were telling me. Like Mm -hmm. I have to hustle if I'm going to be good enough. I have to sacrifice my nights and weekends if I'm going to be good enough. I have to believe in myself. I have to have the perfect morning routine. I have to, you know, name X, Y, and Z podcast title. And that was what I was consuming because I never felt like I had (laughs) enough of the answers. But Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of my clients are, are men, they're entrepreneurs, and they believe in themselves significantly more than I believe in myself. Even though <laughs> let's say we have the same skill set or the same mm-hmm. work experience or the same life experience or similar, um, there's still this like giant disconnect between women who are told that you need all of these other things to be just as good as your average white man, right? I, it's I don't know. It's it's something that I've. <laughs> consumed a lot of and believed for the longest time. And it's, I'm just realizing like kind of how shitty that is, (laughs) you know, that I've been, I don't know, constantly searching for more information related to how I feel or how I believe in myself when really I, I do believe in myself. I am a confident person and I should just be okay with that instead of constantly seeking out additional advice for someone to tell me that I still need to believe in myself (laughs) because that's, I know that's what my male peers are. They're not listening to that type of content. Right. Right. Um, It's not, there's not boy boss content. (laughs) There's business podcasts and then there's looking for. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I do think there's definitely a time and a place for that inspirational self-help confidence boosting type of content clearly because I sought it out for years. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think there is, there's a lot of information that should be available to women that isn't necessarily geared towards how they feel um, about themselves in order to be a good business owner. So maybe another way to look at it Mm -hmm. is they were successful. You, uh, they were there to make you have more self-confidence right. about your business and all sorts of things. And now you do, and now you don't need it. That is true. That is very maybe, true. And maybe they're, they did exactly what they needed to do. Right. 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 No, you're absolutely right. And I think that at this point, that's kind of where I'm, I'm realizing like, okay, maybe that content I've outgrown, you yeah. know, they've, they've done, what they sought out to do. And maybe I need to search for the next level of information that is not necessarily geared specifically towards women mm-hmm. who um, need that self-confidence boost and more of the tactical, practical advice. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's just, I don't know, girl boss in general, I have... <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with because I think it is absolutely incredible that more women are creating businesses Mm -hmm. and working, you know, up the corporate ladder in whatever form or fashion um, than ever before. But I also don't know that we need this like pink version of entrepreneurship. (laughs) You know, I'm kind of torn. Um, Yeah, I guess it probably the key takeaway that I get from this Mm -hmm. you may agree or disagree is that um people should be maybe more uh, thoughtful about the content they're consuming 
and think about, you know, how it's actually impacting them, whether it's a good use of their time, or maybe if they should find something else that's slightly different that is more appropriate for what they are looking for. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, like, like what you mentioned, you have a spreadsheet and kind of have analyzed, you know, who are you getting information from? What do they look like? What is their life experience? And, you know, getting information from a lot of different people, I think will make you, of course, a more well-rounded person just in general, but I I hope. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I think the, I guess what I'm struggling with right now is like not feeling guilty for not wanting to listen to that type of content anymore, Mm. because there's also the side of guilt with hustling and like the whole, like you have to work hard, play hard, that type of like hustle entrepreneurship culture. Sometimes I don't want to hustle that hard. And I say that as someone who's like, has hustled for several years to get to the point where my business is in, in a good spot where I don't have to work, you know, 10, 12, 14 right. hours a day and not feeling guilty for that. Right. Or not feeling guilty that someone else's incredible morning routine doesn't work for me. Right. <laughs> and feeling like whatever I'm doing works for me and that's enough. Um, it's interesting. I, I feel guilty about, uh, certain things obviously whenever i hurt people around me on accident Mm -hmm. um but when it comes to people i don't know Mm -hmm. or i've never interacted with people i'm just consuming their content absolutely no guilt i'll listen to 30 seconds of this podcast sorry that's boring delete (laughs) get out of here yeah and then i just move on to the next one there's so many podcasts out there i don't know you're so right to feel guilty about not listening to (laughs) one of them yeah yeah and i I think I need to approach um, <laughs> content more in that way. I I think where I fall into the trap is maybe there's like three or four quote unquote gurus that I'm like listening to all the time mm-hmm. and everyone says how wonderful they are. And then I realize like, okay, this is actually not working for me. Am I yeah. a bad person? Am I not doing enough? Because so-and-so's perfect routine or what advice is not applicable to me. Anyway, that's, you're just not picking up what they're putting down. <laughs> no, or at least I, I did. Up. And I realized like, okay, this is, I'll take this little bit of like this little gold nugget. That's great. And this one yeah. over here, but leave the rest, you know, I mean, much, much like all of my advice <laughs> today, you pick <laughs> up what, what, you know, you feel like works for you and then leave the rest, you know? Yeah. No one's uh, an ultimate expert on exactly what will work for you. So we're all just, uh, <laughs> Pretending our way through, doing the best we can. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah that's all absolutely. we can really do. Absolutely. No one has all the answers. If they say they do, run away because they're lying. Yeah. They just want to take all of your money. <laughs> that's not entrepreneurship. That's a con man. <laughs> that is a con. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, thank you for coming on to the Green Room podcast. Um, is there anything that you wanted to plug about your personal business? Where can people find you? Anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. Um, this has been wonderful and I'm sure I've rambled quite a bit, but (laughs) hopefully, you know, we we had a a fun, fun conversation. Um, yeah. So you guys can find me at Lindsay creative. It's L Y N S E Y creative, uh, dot com. And I'm Lindsay creative on all social media handles and all the things. So perfect. 
I'll provide links in the show descriptions if that's a thing I can figure out how to do. <laughs> I'm sure you can. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Denver. Mm-hmm.